So I just made the song in my crib, and uh, just like we said, you know, I was playing. I was like, "This is a vibe," and and me and my homie Gabriel, we just went out. Uh, we took a hike to this waterfall that's nearby, and um, shot a little video for it. And I posted a clip of it, honestly, because I was just like, I just want to show this to people and and get a feeler. And then one of my friends, he uh, DM'd it to Mike, and he was just like, yo, you got to check this guy out. And Mike responded to his DM like 10 minutes later, and he was like, this is fire. Like, you got to connect me with this guy. And then, you know, my friend Jared told me about that. I'm like, what? Like, this is nuts. So I DM'd him, and I was like, hey, man, like, would love to have you on this song. Would love to have you be a part of it. Welcome to the Mike Squires and Friends podcast. Today, I'm joined by my new friend, Adam Yoakum. Now, Adam is a talented on-the-rise artist from a small town in West Virginia with a population of 82 people, but he claims it's even less. Adam and I talked about what it's like growing up in a small town and then opening up for artists like Jack Harlow. We talk about something insane Adam did early in his career to grab attention of fellow West Virginia artist Huey Mack. And we also spoke about his recent song, Gretzky, which features Mike, formerly known as Mike Stud. If you want to support the Mike Squires and Friends podcast, all you got to do is hit that little subscribe button or download on your preferred podcast platform. Now, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Mike Squires and Friends. Adam, welcome to the Mike Squires and Friends podcast, dude. Thank you for having me, dude. Excited to be here. So you just did a show last night with my homie Elijah Kyle. How'd that go? It went great, dude. That was my first time in Boston. Um, good turnout, solid crowd, made a lot of new fans, a lot of new friends. It was good. Good time. I want to talk to you a little bit about your hometown, dude. Mm. So you're from a town with a population of 82 people. Yeah, that's what it says on the census, but I swear it's less than that. It's actually like probably 40. What's it like growing up in such a small town like that? It was unique, dude. It was unique. Like a lot of people, there were actually my family too. Um, and if they weren't my family, they were basically like family because you grew up together. Um, really in the middle of nowhere, there's not a lot going on there. So you have to like make your own fun out of things, spend a lot of time like playing in the woods and building tree forts and stuff like that. I've got a lot of weird talents just because like you find stuff to do in your free time, like really good with like magic, like card magic, random stuff like that. Um, just a really unique experience growing up there. Very wholesome. Uh, but it's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. What was school like? What were like your friends growing up? Yeah. So school up until the eighth grade, I went to a very small school. It was a uh, preschool through 12th grade all in the same building. And there were only 300 students in the whole school. My graduating class was 11 people. Um, but I actually changed schools. Uh, my freshman year went to a, a bigger school and kind of about 30 minutes away from where I lived, a bigger town called Elkins, and uh, met a lot of friends there, a lot of connections there, but it was good. Um, was into sports all through high school, you know, basketball, cross country, track, all that, all that. So it was good growing up there. I really hold my home close to me, for sure. Yeah. So Adam, being from such a small town, how do you get into music? Was your family musical? Like what, how did that happen? Yeah, my family... Um, I, I'm in a music family, but it was never, like, classically trained. It's a lot of, like, just by ear or just playing what you know. Um, my dad was kind of in a bluegrass band growing up, so I was around a lot of, like, you know, banjo, and we'd go just, like, up to a campground a couple weekends a month and, like, you know, it'd be someone with a fiddle and a banjo. And that's how I kind of got introduced to music. And then my brother was also a big inspiration. He is just sick on the guitar, so... Growing up, he was always teaching me little things on the guitar. That's kind of how I got 
familiar with just music in general. Um, what I'm doing now kind of came later. I would say like high school days, we were rapping on the bus and, you know, freestyling on the way to a basketball game or something. And I think around that time I realized like, oh, maybe I can actually do this and kind of pursued it from there. What inspired you to dream so big though? Like what made you get to the next level and want to pursue this as a career? I think I've got something in me that I, I have a desire to just be a great human or just do something great. And I think this is where my passion fell. So naturally, I just want to achieve and be the best version of myself that I can in any facet. You know, if if there ever came a day where I just woke up and didn't enjoy doing music anymore, which I don't see that happening, but and wanted to do something else, I think I would chase it with the same hunger. I think it's just who I am. Yeah. And then you inevitably made the move to L.A. Mm -hmm. What made you go from such a small town, you know, in West Virginia to wanting to move to L.A.? Yeah, I think it's just um, there's not a lot going on back home, obviously, with music and not a lot of connections. And I think I recognize that and um, just wanted to put myself in a place to succeed. You know, you can do so much work, but if you're not going out of your way to put yourself in conversations or put yourself in a place to even meet people, then how are you really going to do it? So I think that was it was just exposing myself to an audience or a crowd of people, an area that has a lot more going on with it. And uh, yeah, I guess shot for the moon, went to L.A. So do you think that your music career started with you singing Hey There Delilah in the third grade at your talent show? Man, how did you know that? That is like literally some Nardwar stuff. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I sang Hey There Delilah third grade at a talent show. And my brother actually played the guitar with me at that talent show. Yeah. That's insane that you know that. I did my research, dude. <laughs> so, you know, from that point on, were you still continuing to do music? You know, were you singing? Were you... Yeah, from third grade on, it was, like I said, singing like bluegrass with my family and and shit like that. But I wasn't really writing my own songs and and putting out music as Adam Yoakum until I was probably 16 or 17. And then were you recording in West Virginia when you started that? Yeah, the first time I ever recorded, I went to a studio that was in Fairmont, West Virginia, and just kind of my mom paid for my studio time and she went with me and recorded there. And then I, I think early on, I recognized that, wow, it's like kind of expensive to pay for studio time every time you want to record. So I started building up my own equipment, um, ordered a mic, ordered a mixing board, some different things. And obviously it was low quality in the beginning, but over time I started to record myself. What would you do to make the money for that equipment? I had a job. I was a lifeguard at the YMCA. Um, and then I was also washing dishes at this pizza shop called Mama Mia's in Elkins. So I was kind of using whatever money I had from that to pay for the equipment. Yeah. So you're recording your first songs. When do you start putting them out into the world? And what's your first song sound like? Immediately. I was putting them out immediately, but, and they were really bad. Looking back now, they were really bad compared to what I'm making, but you know, we all got to figure it out. Um, I still have them on my SoundCloud, but they're like, privated, unlisted. Now I go back and listen to them from time to time. But um, yeah, they're just really rap heavy. I'm just going in there and trying to rap as fast as I can and like fit as many words onto a beat as I can. And then also being offbeat and all that. But I was figuring it out. It was the early days and it definitely has an amateur sound to it. But um, it's pretty nostalgic for me still to hear those. What was the first moment that you feel like you felt some sort of type of success with music? Um. 
I would say when I was in college, I released this song called Party On Me. And I went to school at WVU, so it's a big party scene. Like, we were just drinking all the time, and I'm always inspired by my life around me, whatever I'm doing. So I made a party song, and, you know, a lot of my friends, they'd put it on the speaker at a party, and then they'd share it, and there'd just be a bunch of people in WVU partying together. And there was a couple times where, like, I would go out to a party or I'd show up somewhere, and, like, I'd hear my song playing at a party. They didn't even know I was there. I didn't even know these people. And that was kind of the first moment where I'm like, whoa, like, what's going on? Like, do people, like, know my music or something? So I'd say that was one of the first ones. Yeah, and I want to talk to you a little bit about West Virginia. Well, another artist from West Virginia. Yeah. The homie Huey Mack. It's the man. Now, I know that in your earlier days, you would chug chocolate milk. <laughs> we got to talk about it, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I scrolled yeah. down. So you did a thing where you chugged chocolate milk until— Huey Mack did a song with you. Yeah, that happened. 63 days I chugged chocolate milk. Yeah, so what inspired you to do that in the first place? All right, this is going to sound crazy. Just stay with me here. I promise I'm not insane, but it's a big, like, loop. So I was, like, reading a story of this guy that was on a hunger strike for, you know, trying to change policy, and he starved himself for, like, I don't even know how many days. He literally starved himself to death trying to— change the world and I know it's like a crazy comparison but I just was thinking how can I like use this or how can I act upon this or be inspired by it and that's what came out of it was like I'm gonna find some way to do something to myself to make an external change in the world so that's what I came up with was like I'm gonna chug chocolate milk until Huey Mack does a song with me yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you know, so you went 63 days, and I was talking to Huey about this today because I had to text him, and I was just like, you know, what was that like for him? And he said that, like, you know, that you're a good kid, and he ended up doing a song with you, really, because he thought you were talented. Yeah. Yeah, so everybody who's listening, this had a happy ending. You guys ended up doing a song together. Yeah. So what was that feeling once you did the song after putting in the work of the chocolate milk? It was a great feeling. I will say I was in a way different headspace by the time the song happened than I was when I was doing the chocolate milk thing because the song kind of came later. So I feel like recently, the last year or two, I've really grown as a person and developed as an artist. And I think when all that happened, I, I spent a lot of years in the figuring it out phase and I'm still figuring it out, but it's a different perspective. But when that happened, like, like I said, I went 63 days chugging chocolate milk and then he FaceTimed me. And he was like, man, you got to stop chugging that chocolate milk. <laughs> and I was like, you know, we cracked up about it over the phone and he played me some music he was working on. And then after that, like the next day, um, he texted me and he was like, send me a couple songs you're working on. And I sent him some things. But like I said, I was still getting better at the time. The songs I sent him, they just weren't that quality. They weren't great. And I recognized that. And so he said, I'm down to work together, but... Maybe these aren't the songs. Let's stay in touch. Totally fine. And I think in the moment, I was like, ah, oh, man, like, he doesn't fuck with my music. But now when I look back, I'm like, thank God that he said that because I wasn't ready for that. You know what I mean? And and I'm, I'm just happy that he didn't do it out of, like, whatever because of the chocolate milk thing. Because when no, it happened, it seemed was like he, the right time. It seemed like he did it because he genuinely fucked with the song. Definitely, And yeah. I want, like— I'm going to give you a little comparison, but, like, the chocolate milk thing reminds me of, like, an early Mr. Beast, dude, where it's like, you know, Mr. Beast would do this video where he said Logan Paul a million times. But, you know, look at Mr. Beast now, dude, where it's like, it's just a great way to grab attention, you know? Yeah. And 
I think having moments like that and growing from them are important. It's a good starting spot. But Yeah, and also I think there's some value in having some humility. Uh, I think a lot of people are afraid of being corny or afraid of like being weird. And, and I think that there's some value in taking risks and putting yourself out there in unique ways that when someone sees it, they're like, what is this or what's going on here? You know, it's the age of social media as much as I battle with it internally it is like grabbing attention there's a lot of attention grabbing so yeah I was, I was talking to um Dylan we had a we had a song on his Ellis page called Abracadabra like I said I did some magic stuff and we're like what if I go out and like do magic tricks on people and then like use it to promote the song and we're like that's such a unique way to promote a song like who else is doing that um, so I think it's just things like that in general, going out of your comfort zone and and finding a unique way to just do things. And I think with the magic, too, that's actually who you are because, you you know, you grew up learning magic tricks. So I think embracing who you are is always a good play because you're not faking it. You're showing people your true self. And I think there's a lot of value because I think especially when we talk about social media, there's so many people that are like faking it, doing it for the gram. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But when yeah. you're yourself, like. It's a recipe to win. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's something big I've learned last year, especially is like looking internally and asking yourself, like, who are you? Because at the end of the day, you're the one who has to sleep and live with the life that you're living. So I can't imagine being someone who's out there putting on a front for social media. I feel like that's very draining personally. So, yeah, the more the closer I get to myself and naturally being who I am, I found it to work out my benefit. 10 times, you know? And when I see you, Adam, I see someone who's still very early in their career right now. Yeah. But I want to bring it back a little earlier because okay. you opened up for Jack Harlow. I did open up for Jack Harlow. How did that yeah. happen? That was, uh, so that was in Morgantown. I was connected with a DJ named DJ Yemi, um, a guy in the Morgantown area, just very connected. One of those guys who's always, you know, promoting the shows and putting on the shows and I think I was in a, a club there one time just drinking and hanging out with some friends and I had like a business card of mine and you know I just handed it to him I was like check out my music he ended up listening to it you know we became friends and yeah he was putting on those shows there he's brought a lot of artists through Morgantown and put me on a ton of shows there and Jack Harlow happened to be one of those and uh, that was right when he dropped What's Poppin'. And there were a lot of people in the building at the time that were like, who is this guy? You know, it was still before Jack Harlow was the Jack Harlow we know now. Obviously, he had a great presence at the time still. But, um, yeah, it was cool. Um, met him backstage, shared a funny moment with him and some of my other friends. You know, uh, one of my friends was beside me and then Jack Harlow was standing there and uh, one of my friends was smoking a blunt. And he goes, yo, Jack, you want to hit this? And he had like a little cup of like juice or something. And he was just like, nah, bro, I'm good. Like I'm, I, I got my juice right now. And it was just like fruit juice, like no alcohol or nothing. He, you know, sober at the time. It, it's just hilarious, you know, seeing his like saying he's good on a blunt because he's got fruit juice. juice. Yeah, <laughs> so he's a cool guy. You know, he is from what I know of him. He is what he portrays himself to be. And that was a good experience for sure. Being there in that moment. It's always great when you see people are the people that they portray yeah. because that's, you know, it's always terrible when you meet someone, you're like, oh man, you're not who I thought you were at all, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a wild game of social media and meeting people in real life. It can be, it can be crazy. Yeah. I want to talk to you more about some of the events that Yemi did. So what mm -hmm. were some of the other shows that you did with Yemi? Um, there's been a couple, there was a uh, P and B rock, little skies, 
Tay Money. Um, trying to think, there there were there were a lot of them there. Hard to remember all, of, but those are some of the bigger ones. Yeah. Sure. What was a memory you had from one of those shows of something maybe that like I don't know went wrong or something silly happened or you know something not that you expected? Um, so I have this song called West Virginia, and in the intro, I put Steve Harvey's voice in, like I sampled Steve Harvey. And then we did this show. Uh, it was the the PNB Rock show. And before I came out, I put up on the screen like a clip of Steve Harvey from the the episode that I sampled. And that was before I walked out because I like played the clip and then it went into my song. But before I walked out, it was up on the screen. And I think everyone in the crowd thought Steve Harvey was about to come out. And then they see me come out and they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> That's <laughs> so mad funny, dude. That was like, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that again, but it was still cool and it was funny. It didn't go how we expected, but it was cool. No, and you got to live and you learn, dude. Yeah. I want to talk to you about your project, Butterfly. Yeah. So how was working on that project? It was cool. It was very, um, very small circle. Um, that was in Morgantown when I was still living there for college. And um, I had a I had a one bedroom apartment. It was a part of a house that was a duplex. So I was in the bottom, and you know I I was taking. It was my last semester in college, so I think I only had like ten credit hours. I was barely doing schoolwork, so I was really just locked in on music. And um, I have a friend of mine who would come over every day, and we kind of bounce ideas and and work together. And I think I was just in a space of of becoming who I am and there's like some personal growth to go with that that's kind of the symbolism behind butterfly is that you know spending some time in a cocoon and going through a change like a metamorphosis and growing into something that's beautiful so yeah that was um that was kind of the start of what I feel like is who I am as an artist I think at that point I was first discovering my sound and you know staying in a pocket that's unique and comfortable to me um, but yeah, that, that album holds a special place in my heart for sure. Yeah. And was your friend circle and everyone around you supportive of when you were dropping this project or do they see it as like, you know, they were supportive, but I don't think many people expected it to be as good as it was because, um, I put out a bunch of music before that. Like I said, that wasn't as good a quality as I felt that was. And I had done like two other albums in the time that I was in college there. Um, and I always threw like big release parties for it. Like I'd just bring over everyone. And a lot of people were there just to drink and party. And then it was like on the side. It's like, oh, yeah, Adam's dropping an album tonight. So when we did the one for Butterfly, I think it was very similar to that, like people coming over to party or whatever. But then we played the album at midnight when it came out. We like played it. And I think you know, for the first time I saw a lot of people being like, this is you? Like, what happened? Like, this is really good. So people were definitely supportive the whole time. Um, but I think it was like after the music came out that people were like, okay, this is like serious now. We're tuned in, you know? How does it feel being an artist coming from a small town? Feels good. It feels unique. I definitely, um, definitely feel like I had to scrap a little bit more for connections and, uh, scrap a little bit more to just make a presence, you know what I mean? There there's not a lot of um not a lot of people that are around doing it. So it's definitely a unique thing. I think that in West Virginia, I had kind of a difficult time convincing people to believe in me at times because 
there's not a lot of people that have made it where I'm from. I think Huey Mack is probably the best example. Brad Paisley, of course, is huge. But at the time, I wasn't, you know, doing country music. It was rap. So when you think about rappers from West Virginia, the list is very short. Um, And I think a lot of people from there kind of conditioned a little bit to be like, oh, you're doing this? Like, all right, yeah, you're probably not going to make it. You know what I mean? So I think there were always those challenges there. Um, but that comes with it all and, and it shaped me as who I am. So I'm, I'm happy about it still. Do you have friends back home that kind of see what you're doing now and, you know, just rooting you along the way and just like, are they excited? Like, how are they feeling now? You know? Yeah, definitely a lot of friends that are excited for me. Um, a lot of friends that, you know, I get a lot of messages, people saying they're proud of me and, and that I came a long way. Cause like I said, I was, I used to be in high school, like rapping on the bus and just like, we, we had a group of friends that was like always just hooking up to a beat, uh, hooking up to a speaker and playing beats. So definitely a crew of people there that have been around since I was starting it. And a lot of hometown love, a lot of hometown love nowadays for sure. Awesome. And did you have a standout song from Butterfly that's really resonated with people? Um, I'd say there were, there's two of them. I think my song California was one that resonated with a lot of people and uh, shot a dope video for it, and that's been the one that I've seen stick with people a lot. Just like catchiness. When people text me about the album, they're like, "I love this song," you know. That's one. And then the song West Virginia. Um, that one has got a lot of success from people that I don't really know close. Like TikTok, it had a couple big moments on TikTok where you know, a couple hundred thousand views, and people in the state discovering me for the first time, and kind of the same thing I was talking about is like whoa, like someone from here is doing this? Like someone made a song repping who we are and whatever. So a lot of hometown love and home state love around that song for sure. There might be an artist listening now who's from a small town themselves. Do you have any advice for that artist? Yeah, I would say um, prepare. And I would say own the means of your operation. Like I think one of the most valuable things you can do when you don't have too many people around you showing you the ropes is own the means of your operation, get yourself a home studio, get yourself a place to practice, because very similar to sports like basketball, the more practice you put in, the better you're going to get at it. And really just, you know, watch videos, watch what other people are doing and and get yourself in a space where when an opportunity comes, you're going to be prepared for that. And you can say, okay, like I I was in the gym, I was in the trenches, and now something came along that a, a door opened that wasn't open before, and I'm ready to walk through it. I would say, yeah, just take the time to work on your craft and um, and just, just be who you are. Be who you are, and, and, and it'll come with time. How did you start connecting with people outside of West Virginia in music? A lot of it through social media. Obviously, we live in the in the age of TikTok and everything going crazy. Um, one of the big things was, was moving to L.A. I think being connected with my manager, Dylan, has helped with outreach a lot. You know, he, he's from the uh, Massachusetts area, Chickpea, and and um, he's been huge on just connecting me with people and saying, hey, I got this friend. I think you guys would pair well together and connecting us, you know what I mean? And and doing the best you can to just show genuine love to people who you've never met before and saying, hey, I see what you're doing. I like what you're doing, and I, I think we can make something great. Um, and, and that's really it, just, just grassroots, grassroots making connections. How did you and Dylan connect in the first place? Through DJ Yimmy. In Morgantown, um, Dylan knew him, I believe, because DJ Yemi was Huey Mac's tour manager, mm. and Dylan was a part of one of those tours back in the day with Huey. They knew each other from way back, and I was actually 
making Butterfly, and I was thinking about features that could be on the album. I wanted to work with some people, and I asked DJ Yemi, I said, hey, man, I got a couple of these songs. You know anyone that would be a good fit that you could connect me with? And he sent Dylan my way, or he sent me his Instagram. I followed him, but I don't think I ever messaged him about a song. Um, just was following him. And then he posted on his story one day. He was like, hey, uh, we're looking for a roommate in L.A. If anyone is looking for a place to stay, let me know. This was three months before I graduated college, and I was planning the move there anyway. And so it was just, you know, perfect timing. I, I DM'd him. I was like, hey, man, we've got a mutual friend, DJ Yimmy. I'm getting ready to move out there, looking for a place to stay. Um, but yeah, we ended up jumping on a FaceTime and kind of connecting. I didn't meet him in person until I got to L.A. and I was moving in the house to live with him. And really from there, you know, we lived together, connected and and became friends. And, and it went from there. You know, he he uh, he was always helping me. He's always been like a, a guiding voice. And I think it just got to a point where he's like, yo, let's let's do this for real. Like, let me manage you. And uh, let's, let's actually let's actually work on this together. So, yeah. Are you big into manifestation? Because I saw in 2020, you tweeted that you're going to move to L.A. the summer of 2022. Mm -hmm. And then the summer of 2022, you did it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm huge into manifestation. That's like that. I'm such a spiritual person. So it's actually crazy. When I was in um, when I was in about seventh grade, I went to the library with my teacher and they were like, you can pick out any book you want. And, you know, call it luck, call it whatever. Um, I picked out this book called The Secret. Uh, the Secret is, is all about manifesting and willing things into your life. And from that moment on, like, my life changed there. So I'm a big believer of if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hands and just kind of speaking your existence into life. That's something that I'm full-heartedly in belief of. And, and I do that all the time. I, I say it outwardly. You know, if there's something that I'm manifesting, I don't hold it internally. I, I put it out to the world. I say, like, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this. And, and I, you know, I, I know there's other tweets where I, I've said things like, I'm going to sell out Red Rocks one I day. I did see or that I'm, one I'm too. I'm going to perform at Red Rocks one day, and that hasn't happened yet, but I still fully believe that it will. You know, it's like a vision I can see in my head. And just like the moving to L.A., you know, I, at 2020, I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't know where I was going to be in life, but I just trusted that it was going to happen and, you know, let the universe do what it will. Dude, I have a quote that I live by to the point where it's like my personal motto is that you just need to believe before the world does because yeah. not everyone's going to see your vision. You know, you got to put yourself out there and believe in yourself first. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying where it's like, you know, you had friends that were supportive of your music, but until you got to the point where, you know, they listen to it and they're like, oh, this is you, you know, yeah. you knew that was going to happen before they did. Right. But then once they got there, it's probably really rewarding, dude. Right. Yeah. Kind of. Not like I told you so moment, but kind of a moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I, I am what I think I am, you know, so, something like that. Um, but, yeah, dude, they say you got to see it to believe it, but I feel like you got to believe it to see it. What you know? inspires Adam, dude? I feel like I draw a lot of inspiration from my inner child. I, I say this a lot that I feel like kids in general are just very close to the source of creation, you know what I mean? If they're the ones that are like painting pictures and, you know, building things with blocks and using the creative side of their brain. And I think it's pretty typical that we grow up and focus on money, houses and whatever, get a job. And um, I try to look at things through the lens of a kid. And I feel like I'm inspired a lot by my childhood and just my upbringing and, and everything that comes with that. What's sure. important to you right now? 
What's important to me is being who I am, spending time with my family, making music that resonates with my soul, and just sharing it with other people to enjoy. That's really it. You know, I don't, I've never been a person that's driven by money or material things. I live a pretty low scale life. You know, I don't have any desire to live in a mansion or drive a Lamborghini. I'm, I'm happy with the small things. So what makes me happy right now is making things that feel real to me and giving it to the world and hoping that I can share that experience with someone else. Yeah. You said family is very important to you. Do you find yourself going back home a lot? Yeah, I, I live back home now. Okay, I, awesome. I, I moved back home for that exact reason is just being in a more real and organic state, um, ultimately for my music, but also for personal health reasons, just feeling more at home and feeling more comfortable and diving into who I am as a person. And I think it reflects in the music. I, I think the more comfortable I am internally with who I am, is going to be externally, you know, you're going to be able to look at it and be like, this dude is exactly what he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And with the power of the internet, dude, you pretty much can do music from anywhere. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. You can do it from anywhere. It's nice to be out and, and meet people in person, but you can definitely do it from anywhere. Yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit about social media, dude. You know, what's your process with social media? Because I know certain artists battle with it. They don't like doing it, but do you embrace it? What do you think has been, you know, some of your strategies to approaching social media? I try to break it down to like the very basics of what it is. If you have something you do and you're good at it, show it to people. And I think there's a lot of overcomplicating with like, we got to hit the algorithm or we got to remix this or do this to make it work. And I got to do all this at the very basis of it. The internet is connecting people. Do what you do, get it on video and post it. That's kind of where my head is with it. I, I try not to do too much like algorithm seeking or, or be too much of a nerd over it, you know, even though that's what it takes nowadays to, if you don't think about it too hard, it'll also slip from you. So, um, yeah, at the very basics, I just try to do what I do, get it on camera and give it to the world. No, I love that, dude. Because I think even you just saying that right there might actually simplify it for a bunch of people that are overthinking, yeah. you know, the process. Have, yeah. you, have you had a cool opportunity that has come from social media? Yeah, um, the song I just put out, Gretzky, with Mike. I want to talk about that, yeah. dude. How did that song come to be? So I just made the song in my crib, and uh, just like we said, you know, I was playing, I was like, this is a vibe, and and me and my homie Gabriel, we just went out, uh, we took a hike to this waterfall that's nearby and um, shot a little video for it, and I posted a clip of it, honestly, because I was just like, I just want to show this to people and, and get a feeler. And then one of my friends, he uh, DM'd it to Mike, and he was just like, yo, you got to check this guy out. And Mike responded to his DM like 10 minutes later, and he was like, this is fire. Like, you got to connect me with this guy. And then, you know, my friend Jared told me about that. I'm like, what? Like, this is nuts. So I DM'd him, and I was like, hey, man, like, would love to have you on this song. Would love to have you be a part of it. And he was just down, you know. It was all out of the love for the music, really. There was no prior connection. There was no weird, like, industry stuff. He just heard the song, and it connected with him. He, he resonated with it, and, and it was off to the races from there. Bro, that's a beautiful thing because, you know, in my head I'm thinking, because I know you have the song with Huey, and I know Huey and Mike are close, so it's like that's not how that happened. Yeah, I know. It's not at all. There was no connection there at all. I was kind of thinking that, too. It's like I put out the song with Huey and then Mike and— Many people probably think like, oh, Huey plugged me in, but it was actually two separate instances totally. So. No, that's dope. I want to talk about the song with Huey too, dude. 
you know, once you finally got that song and put it out, how was that feeling? It was great. I, by that time, I considered me and Huey to be a lot closer friends than we were before, you know. Um, that was my guy. And, and I went to his album release party in L.A. and kicked it with him a few times before then. So it felt much more organic and much more real. Um, and I feel like the, the song is also just something I'm proud of. And um, it's great. You know, he showed me so much love. Not even with that song, just in general, texting with advice like, hey, man, I've got these things going on and bouncing ideas and very similar to Dylan. He's been a voice of of guiding me. You know what I mean? So I I really cherish my friendship with him for sure. It's been a a pleasure working with him. No, that's a beautiful thing, too. And I really commend, you know, Huey for giving you advice and like, you know, looking out for you because. I know there's a lot of artists out there that wouldn't do that. So, you know, yeah, having, he doesn't have to do that. And, you know, he doesn't have to do that. So the fact that he is, is says a lot about him. You yeah. Know? So let's talk about moving out to L.A. again. Mm. So when you move out to L.A., what's one of your first musical experiences out there? First musical experiences when I went out there. Um, I went to a show with Dylan. I'm trying to remember it right. Um, someone that he knew was doing a show. And, and I think I went to it, and, and it was interesting because that was the first time that I had really seen a full building of people that were, like, on the same chase that I was in. Like I said, in West Virginia, it was very, like, I felt like the unicorn in the room where it's like I tell people I'm doing music, and they're like, oh, wow, like, really? You know, no one's really doing it there. So that was the first time when we went to a show there that I looked around and it was like, you know, this guy's a manager, this guy's an artist, he's a A&R, they run a blog here. And and it, it was very, like, hit me right in the face where it's like, wow, like, yeah, this is why I moved here. So there were, and after that, there were several experiences like that where um, I was just excited to be in the room and just be in that space around people in LA. It was a way different change of pace than what I was used to, for sure. Yeah, and now you're working on your Evergreen project? Yep, yeah, I'm working on an album called Evergreen right now. Let's talk about it, dude. So, you know, what's been your process for creating this album? Um, My process is, well, I got a couple producers that I work with now. I've definitely expanded that, and, and I used to just I used to just find my beats on YouTube and just wherever online, beat stores and such, but um, I'm wanting to make it a more personal and in-house thing. So, you know, I did my digging and found some people that I already love from finding their beats online and just established a more personal connection. So there's really only, I would say, three or four producers who I'm working with for the whole album. Um, You know, and uh, they're sending me guitar loops. We're producing them with my homie Pat. We're making these vibes and and really just finding things that speak to my soul. The The whole point of Evergreen, the symbolism behind it is making something that lives forever, something that lasts through the season, something that's not here for a moment and a sound that's resilient. You know what I mean? So I'm making music that speaks to my soul, not, not trying to make something that's going to you know, be trendy or whatever. That's not the vibes at all, but it's been a wholesome experience making the album. It's been a good time of self-discovery and I'm still going in that direction, but, um, leaning more acoustic with my music these days. And, uh, I'm really excited for this album. I feel like it's a body of work that truly portrays who I am. Yeah. And you dropped a single evergreen too. Yes. Yeah. I dropped a single evergreen. That's kind of the title track of the album. Yeah. What inspired you to like 
make that record? Like, did you get, like, how did that record come to be? Did you get, like, guitar loops and it built out from that? Or do you build from, like, a full production? I actually heard the full production of that one. Um, so the guy who produced it, he, I've been in contact with him and he'd been sending me beats and that one just caught my ear. And, um, yeah, you know, when it gets cold, I'll never leave because, you know, my heart's evergreen. Something that lasts forever, something that doesn't die off through the seasons. And, uh, yeah, that's it, that kind of the, the whole album kind of started with the idea of that song, I think. And, and from there, I was like, I just love this vibe and love this thought process. And this is where I want to go with things. How do you see the album looking like how many singles are out now and how many new songs would you expect? Uh, I think we got four of the singles out right now. The track list as a whole is kind of undecided. There's a couple songs that I'm floating between maybe they make the album, maybe they don't. Um, so I don't have like a hard number on the set list, but I would say it's somewhere between 12 and 15. Oh, awesome, dude. Yeah. I saw all the cover arts too. They all Are those all shot in West Virginia too? Yeah, yeah those are all shot in West Virginia. Um, my homie Jared, he's a photographer. He lives near me. We just real organic, hop in the truck, take a ride out in the mountains and shoot some photos. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that you're still working with a lot of the people that you started with? Um, it changes. Honestly, I, I don't think I'm working with a lot of the same people I started with. I, I've got one friend, Pat, who is uh, my engineer, and, and he's someone that I've been connected with since 2018. So he's been probably the only person that I've consistently worked with on my music. Um, but other than that, it's changed a lot. I, I'm not around, uh, at least sonically, the same people. I, I have a lot of the same friends and a lot of artists who I was with at the time, I'm still friends with, but we're not really working together. You know what I mean? It's definitely changed and gone in a different, more focused direction. Yeah. And I think as your sound changes, it makes sense that you're working with different people too. Definitely. Yeah. You know, if I'm making a acoustic guitar song, I want to work with someone that knows what they're doing with an acoustic guitar. So it's definitely changed in that sense, just as I've changed, but um, still friends with all the people that I've worked with over the years, for sure. Yeah, I want to talk to you about a feeling that I have felt before, dude. You just had your first song hit a million. Yeah, insane. How did that feel, dude? Absolutely insane. Yeah, it, And it did quick, great. too. A month, yeah. It, exactly one month from the release date, it crossed a million. Yeah, you know, how does that make you feel? Are you feeling, I'm sure you were already confident, but does that build your confidence, you know? Yeah, it's it's just another one of those things that reminds you that you are who you are and that you can do this. Certainly a confidence builder. Um, happy about it in all facets, dude. Uh, I think uh, something that Dylan said connected is that I try to keep a neutral, neutral mindset with things. Things go right, things go wrong, and when great things happen, you can look at it and say, that's great, that's amazing, but uh, let's stick to the job's not done. You know, job's not done. Yeah, and I saw Mike had you out on stage, too. Yeah, yeah, that was down in North Carolina at uh, Tailgates and Tallboys. Brought me out, got thirsty, did a chug bud with him. Good times. Yeah, dude. You know, what's that experience, not only doing a record with somebody, but them embracing you a step further by, did he ask you to come out? Like, how did that happen? He didn't ask me to come out. Um, I, I just hit him up and told him I was coming because it was fairly close. And uh, he was like, that's great. You know, excited to see you. We'll connect at the show. Um, but yeah, we, I just drove down with a homie of mine. We went to the show and, uh, pulled me up on stage to do a chug, but it, it was all love outside of that. You know, there was nothing that was like pre-planned or pre-set up too much. It was very organic, but, uh, with that whole concept in mind, he's been very generous in helping me when he doesn't have to the same kind of way with you. I've been very lucky that people are extending a hand. 
um, with their platform and with their knowledge. You know, he might co-release the song with me when he could have just featured on it. You know, he did everything out of love for the music when he probably could have charged me for it. You know, it's all just very organic, and I'm very grateful for people extending a hand for sure, and, he, and he's one of them. Yeah. Why do you think that people are showing you this love? Do you think it just has to do with you being such a genuine person or? Man, I, I don't know. I, It'd be a question for them, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's a question for them. But I would say that hopefully people catch the vibe of my genuineness. And I hope that extends to to, to how people interact with me. Um, but, you know, luck, maybe the universe manifesting, I guess it's all part of it. I've been very lucky for sure. But um luck mixed with preparation things are just happening yeah you, you have a tweet that i really enjoyed you said if you aim to if you or you said let me, i don't want to paraphrase if you're not aiming too high you're aiming too low yeah something like that yeah if you don't aim too high you're aiming too low yeah, yeah. what does that mean to you it's just uh have big dreams have big dreams shoot for the stars you'll land on the moon you know Maybe you'll hit the stars, but you're at least going to make it somewhere. You're going to do something. You're not going to make it somewhere if you don't shoot for there. You know, I don't think a lot of people just randomly stumble upon success. I think a lot of people who are successful have their mind on that and chasing that. So that's really it is just believe in yourself and picture yourself in a greater place and work towards that. And that's probably one of the surefire ways to get there. Where do you see your career a year from now? It's a great question. Probably... Um, Probably way bigger than I am now. <laughs> no, that's the goal, dude. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, you know, I want to do some touring. I, I'm getting my road experience under me, and and uh, I want to hit more cities and, and expand that. So hopefully uh, in a year from now I can look back and say that I've done some uh, bigger touring and, and traveled the country a good bit more. Obviously I'm going to keep it steady with releasing music, build out the catalog, and uh, just keep it pushing with who I am. I think I... I I kind of have the formula here and the plan is just to expand it and grow from what we have, kind of scale it up. So I don't see myself being night and day different from who I am now or what's going on. Uh, probably the same thing I'm doing now, but a bit bigger. Do you have something in the vault that you're excited to roll out that you could talk about? Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. I, I got a song with V Wills oh, amazing, um, dude. called Way Back uh, is a banger, is an absolute vibe. And that's one that I'm really excited to roll out. Um, connected with him same thing through social media and since then we, we haven't ever met in person but facetime multiple times you know instagram lives and such and uh he's the homie very genuine guy and that's a song that i really believe in and uh definitely stoked to get that one out for sure you know people that are listening to you and finding out about adam yokum for the first time what's the message you want to give out to those people what do you want people to take away from you um you know that's a good question I would say I just want people to understand that just be yourself and chase an organic feeling. I would say that really represents who I am is be organic in who you are, whether that's, you know, rapping or you're feeling like uh, you're feeling confident or you're feeling sad. Just look internally, be who you are and and don't let the world jade you from the things around you. I, I feel like that's one of my biggest messages, you know. Like I said earlier, if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hands. I'm a big promoter of manifesting and spiritualism, so I try to extend that to other people as well. Yeah. Have you had any hurdles that you've had to get over, like, early in your career or even now that, you know, you're battling with just to try to take things to the next level? Um, Definitely doing it independent is a unique challenge in the sense of 
having a crew and having a team around you. I think that there's been various times where I've done a lot of things on my own. And when you're wearing eight different hats, certainly some jobs are not going to get done as well as others. So I think over the years, I've learned the value in building a team around you. And that was one of the big hurdles that I, I jumped over was, you know, I need to get a camera guy. I need to get a, a manager. Just people around me that are helping me. Really, I think that was the biggest thing that um, I recognized was just you can't do it all yourself. So that that was a hurdle that I had to jump in. It's it's been very valuable for me. What was your strategy for building a team? Seeing who cares. Um, in West Virginia, we talked about this already, but not a lot of people that just inherently know what's going on with all this stuff. But if there's someone that has drive and someone that has heart and the willingness to learn, that's important to me. Because if they're willing to learn and they're willing to help in some facet, I'll go out of my way to teach them what they need to know. If they don't know how to work a camera, if they don't know how to work a gimbal, but they're like, I'm excited for this and I want to help you, that's where I. those are the people I invest my time into. Um, I think there's naturally going to be people in an artist's life that support them more than others. And when you can turn to those people and say, hey, you're supporting me. Do you want to be a part of this? Those are going to be the people that are really driven to help you um, rather than, you know, someone that you're just like, hey, I know you're good at videoing, cam- video- videoing stuff and you've never met me before, but can I just like pay you a couple hundred bucks to do this, they're just going to see a paycheck and be like, all right, let's do this. You know, I I think building a team, I just look at who's excited and who truly believes in me and we go from there on things. Yeah. Having a team, you know, building that team early on, how has that impacted your videos, your music, everything across the board? Yeah, it's impacted it largely. Um, It wouldn't be as, as high quality. It wouldn't be as everyone on the same page and, and executing things. Like I said, it takes a team, and, and you know this. I'm sure you know it's, you know it's nothing new to you, but um, couldn't be couldn't be as professional of a quality as it is now without the people around me. Yeah, let's talk some of your early music videos, man. What was it like making those? Early music videos, it was very run and gun, just a, a homie with a camera, and then, you know, let's go. Let's sit here and sing the song and sit here and sing the song. Um and, you know, they, they turned out such as quality, you know, very run and gun and, and on a whim. But over the years, I've done a couple more professional um, with like actual film crews who are in that world and, and in that space. One of my videos called Whole Lot of Money, which was it's actually now on my second artist page, but it's a, a rap joint that um, we filmed an awesome video, too. We did. We shot for like five days. Is and that the one that you were in the blue car? Um, no, that's the one where I'm like at a pool table. I'm like okay. dressed up like a mob boss kind of. Um, but I'll talk about that one too, actually. But, uh, yeah, the, the first video I was talking about, that was my first exposure to like a professional setting really. And we like shot it for five days. It was exhausting. And I was like, wow, there's so much work that goes into this. Um, but the video where I'm in the blue car, that's the music video for California. Oh, dude, I love that song too. I know we talked about it earlier. Yeah, that, that video came up in a really unique way. I was living in LA and I was out at this bar called The Bungalow and I was just drinking there and I'm a social butterfly. I talk to people around me all the time when I don't even know them. And I'm sitting there and, and there's just a guy next to me and I just look over at him and I'm like, how's it going, man? Like, how's your night? And he's like, my night's going good. How's yours? I'm like, good. I'm like, 
so, you know, what's your name? We get to talking. And he's like, I actually shoot music videos here. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm I'm an artist. And he's like, give me your Instagram. I'll check it out. And I've had a lot of these conversations before. And normally nothing comes from it. It's just you connect with someone on a drunken night and then it's nice to meet you. Um, but this is one of those ones that just caught fire. And he was like, our film crew loves your music. We love this song. Let's do a video to it. And, uh, yeah, we, we got it done. It, it came about in a really unique way, but it turned out great. When I think of that song specifically, too, because there's, like, the hook doubles, but the first hook is, like, a little bit more calm, and then the second one, you get, like, a raspy, like, more intense vocal on it. Yeah. And I read in your Spotify bio that you've been referred to as the Appalachian-tinged Post Malone, dude. Yeah. You know, yeah. what do you think— who who called you that? What happened there? That was in a that was in a, a local publication uh, in West Virginia. Someone who had uh, listened to my music and did like a review on it, and that's what they labeled me as. And I love Post Malone, you know, super it, talented it, dude. Love Post Malone. So when I saw that, I was like, this is a great this is a great comparison. I'm happy with that, you know. Um, so that was cool, and, and we kind of stuck with that when we heard it. We we're like, yeah, that that's definitely true. I, I sound like an Appalachian tinge Post Malone, and I'm fine with that because I love Post Malone. That's a compliment to me. So yeah, yeah. and you started making hip hop, like you know, and transitioned your sound to a more like pop country rap sound. You yeah. know, what really was the big moment where you're like, I need to tweak my sound. Like this is who I am. Yeah, I think I had uh, a lot of moments where. Seeing how things come into your life easy or with resistance, I've always been a big believer of that you're going down the right path when things feel right. Like if it feels right, it is right. And if it feels wrong, it's probably wrong. And I think when I was rapping and I was doing a lot of club shows where, where I was out there just like rapping my ass off to people, I think there was a certain level of just feeling like it wasn't really working or there was a lot of resistance on trying to convince people that like you know this this guy that looks like me is the next big rapper you know I mean people are like whatever um but I just felt less resistance when I was singing my songs and singing acoustic songs and you know I think that you can you can go down the beaten path as much as you want but I think it takes a lot for someone to look at what they're doing and be able to say this isn't working. I want to change my approach and drop your pride down a little bit and don't say like, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. Just, they got to believe me. They got to believe me. So I think there was a lot of that going on where I'm just recognizing the things that I'm good at, the things that I think I'm good at rapping, but I feel like this pocket of singing is more natural for me and feels more like me. And I think that's it really is just finding a, a path that, that felt right and, and, least resistance and diving into that. Not saying that I'm doing it because it's easy. That's not it. I'm just saying that I feel like when you're finding what's right for you, it'll feel right. And that's kind of how my sound transitioned. Yeah. What do you think is next for Adam? Um, touring probably after I get this album out. I, like I said earlier, I want to hit the road. Um, same things I'm doing, but, but scaling it up. I, I don't see myself, uh, changing up too much. I'm, I'm really focused on building a community of people and, and having genuine interactions with people. So I think I'm just going to keep it pushing with what I'm doing right now, making music that speaks to me and, and giving it to the world um, in a very organic way. That's that's kind of the, the path I'm on right now, and I don't see myself changing my approach up from that too drastically, you know. So I think in the next year or so, people can expect to just see more of who I am and 
and uh, dive deeper into my person and dive deeper into my music and my message and uh, stick around for it because I, I, I got a lot of music that I'm excited to put out. Yeah, let's do a little manifestation segment, dude. (laughs) What are some of your goals? You know, what are some things that you want to see happen for yourself? No time limit, just some things you want to see happen. I try not to put numbers on anything. You know, I don't, I don't have any goals of like followers or stream counter, things like that. I think that, um, you know, one of my things I'm working on right now is being full-time music. I I have a, a, a day job. Um, but, and I'm working towards being full-time music. That's something that I'm manifesting. I think obviously just growing and connecting with people, um, perform at Red Rocks one day. Yeah. I did see that, dude. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know. I, I just, I just feel like it's the same thing I'm doing now, but in a bigger way. That's where I have my mind at and that's where I'm manifesting. And beyond that, it's, it's not too many details of, you know, I want my life to be like this. I want to be in this house. I want to be in this car. Um, it's just, I want to be who I am. I want to be happy. I want to be comfortable. Um, and I want to spend my days doing what I love, whether that's music or, or or anything else. You know, I I want to own my time. I think that's a big manifestation of me in general is owning my time because when you own your time, you own your life and you can work of a out of a space that makes you happy in all facets of life. So that's really what I'm chasing right now is just owning my time. I think you're going to level up in a really special way, Adam. You know, as we're sitting here and talking, I just I hope people look back on this interview and they're going to be like, yo, this is crazy that, you know what I mean? I hope things level up for you in such Thank a you, way man. that when people watch this, they're like, yo, this is crazy. Like this is where he was then. But now look at him now. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And, and same to you, too. Same I appreciate well. that. And I guess another thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, if there's an artist that's in a similar point in their life like you are right now, what advice would you have for them? I would say keep going and don't be afraid to. Don't be afraid to act on those crazy ideas that you have because what if it works out better than you ever expected? Um, try to look at things on the on the bright side of, you know, don't think about what can go wrong. Think about what can go right. And as long as you put your best foot forward and you um, do your best you can to grow and, and, and improve on the things that you're doing and search for the realness in your life and search for who you are, I think that anyone can find themselves on the right path. So that's what I would say. Awesome, dude. Well, Adam, if people wanted to connect with you, how could they? You can find me anywhere at Adam Yoakum. Very simple to find me. It's just my name. Um, Yeah, all over social media, anywhere. You know, I'm on the internet. I'm out there at Adam Yoakum. Yeah. (laughs) And this is going to come out around 2024. So can we expect Evergreen this year? Evergreen will be coming this year. Yes, sir. Amazing, dude. Well, I want to thank you for coming out on the Mike Squires and Friends podcast, dude. Thank you for having me, dude. You're very insightful, dude. I really enjoy talking to you. I felt like I was just like listening to like gem after gem after gem, dude. Thank you, man. It was a pleasure being here. I I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, and I'm excited to keep up with the journey and see how you level up, dude, because it's inevitable to me. Thank you, man. end this episode with my thought of the day. And my thought of the day is this. It doesn't matter where you're from. You can make your dreams happen. As you saw, Adam's from a small town and he was able to level it up to the point where he just had a song hit a million streams. We're seeing Adam early in his career. Something that I commend Adam for is just getting started. 
He had the guts, the confidence to make something happen, and he did. So if you're an artist from a small town and you don't think you can make it out, you totally can. You just got to put in the work and try to figure out how to make it happen. We have the internet. We have social media. And most importantly, guys, you know my big thing. You got to believe before the world does. 